Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or families. Today, we are continuing the second week of our study of the New Testament letter known as Titus. The letter was written by the Apostle Paul to a disciple of his named Titus. Paul and Titus had been traveling together, spreading the good news of the kingdom of God in Christ. According to Titus chapter 1, verse 5, Paul left Titus in Crete, that he may straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town. Crete is a small island in the Mediterranean Sea just south of Greece. It's about 150 miles long and ranges between 35 and 7 miles wide. We don't know how the church got started in Crete, but we do know that Cretans were present on the day of Pentecost, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 11. It's possible that some of the 3,000 new converts that day were from Crete and carried the good news back to Crete with them, and the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was started on the island. In Paul's letters, he often gives practical instructions for how various groups in the early church should live. His letter to Titus is certainly a good example of this. The household, that is, father, mother, and children, was the basic unit of society. In the time of Paul, uh, when he wrote this letter, there were widely shared cultural expectations and responsibilities for each person within the household. Many of these instructions are timeless in their application. In the end, the basis for godly behavior must be a correct understanding of the message about Jesus and the tangible results of the new kingdom he ushered into the world. So let's jump into Paul's instruction for the teaching of Titus to the churches on the island of Crete. It's found in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-control, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you 
may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do, do not let anyone despise you. As Titus chapter 1 came to a close, Paul moved from the problem of false teachers to what Titus needed to teach the church as he identified and trained leaders. As in other areas throughout the New Testament, specific instructions are given to one group of people. It's important to note as we start these instructions given to some in Titus chapter 2 are in other places given to everyone. In other words, these are Christian behaviors, characteristics, and codes of ethic that are truly for all of God's people. The first instruction is actually for Titus. In verse 1, Paul says to teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. To teach what is appropriate is to teach the things that are proper for believers to do as a result of their faith in Jesus. In this case, Paul is likely referring to what is about to come in verses 2 through 10. Sound doctrine gives the biblical and theological foundations for such actions. Teaching is sound when it brings spiritual health and wholeness. Here, Paul, Paul might be referring to what he will say in verses 11 through 14. Paul is ultimately saying that how one behaves should match what one believes. Paul begins the household code of ethics by giving Titus instruction for teaching older people in the church in Titus chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Now, I know how this works. You might begin to think, am I in this group, the older group, or am I in the next group, the younger group? I have had a couple of memorial uh, memorable moments when it comes to age. I started my first ministry assignment when I was 23 years old. I was leading a time of announcements on Sunday night when I mentioned middle age. Someone in the church shouted out, how old do you think middle age is? Everyone laughed at the question, but I lost control of the church when I answered maybe 35. Middle age in my book has certainly moved older, well, well past. 35. I remember being at the Eurasia Regional Conference in 2011, just before we left the United States to be missionaries in Ukraine. The speaker was from the UK. He began by asking everyone 39 years of age or younger to please stand. I had just turned 40 years old eight months earlier. I sat stunned 
that I was now in that older group. Our commentator noted that Paul was likely addressing older men as those around 40 years old and older. This is based roughly on the age of a grandparent in biblical times. Paul's first instruction to older men was that they should be temperate, Titus chapter 2, verse 2. Temperate has the idea of being sober-minded. The Greek word can actually mean not intoxicated, but, but it can also figuratively mean clear-minded or free from life-dominating influences. Drinking too much wine was a problem in Cretan culture, according to Titus chapter 1, verse 12, and could lead to other negative behavior, behavior issues as it can today. Older men should avoid this cultural temptation and be sober and clear-headed. Now, this is a good example of what I was saying earlier. The instruction about being temperate, not drunk or, and sober-minded, is not just for older men. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul calls all Christians to this same life. Do not get drunk on wine, he said, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. While it is a good teaching for all Christians, Paul particularly called out older men in this setting and in this letter. Older men should be worthy of respect. This happens by developing and preserving a good reputation. This is living a life that is above reproach so that no one can find anything bad to say about you. A modern-day proverb says, it takes a lifetime to develop the respect of others, but only a moment to lose it. The next characteristic listed for older men is to practice self-control. This specific Christian ethic will show up again in the instruction for younger women and younger men. If believers exhibit self-control in their Christian lives, so many other negative behaviors will be corrected. Think about the connection of self-control to things like dealing with finances, sexual temptations, the use of the tongue, and even eating right. Paul here encourages Titus to teach older men to live lives that, ex that exhibit self-control. Paul ends his instruction for older men with a triad that is similar to other passages by Paul. Older men are to be sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Sounds a little like faith, hope, and love, doesn't it? Faith believes God for his direction, grace, promises, and purposes. Love is how faith is lived, uh, how faith in God is lived out among others. Endurance is patience under pressure. In verse 3, Paul gives his instruction for Titus in teaching older women. The older women's age would be similar to that of older men, 40 plus, the typical age of being a grandmother in that time and place. Grandmothers were highly respected in Greco-Roman culture. The first instruction was, uh, was that older women were to be reverent. Reverent is related to the word for a holy temple. Uh, and refers to an inward spiritual commitment that shows up in outward holiness. Next, older women are not to be slanderers. 
slandering is speaking about people in such a way that the truth is twisted for personal gain. The Greek word for slander is is similar to the word for devil, literally diabolos, the great deceiver and trickster. Similar to the instruction for older men, older women are not to be addicted to much wine. The word addicted in the Greek is more literally enslaved. Addictions of all forms enslave the person who is trapped by them. Once again, all of those characteristics listed for godly older women are to be practiced, of course, by all Christians. While the reason Paul singles out these particular issues for these particular groups is unknown to us as readers, this pattern will continue as we move toward younger people in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. An interesting shift takes place as Paul moves from verse 3 to verse 4. The older Christians are to set an example for younger Christians. Often the best way to learn is to watch another person. I have heard it said that discipleship is better caught than taught. The older men and the older women are instructed in these verses to now pass on that learning that they have received to younger, those younger than them. Can I say how important and needed this is in the church today? One of the core principles of Nazarene Discipleship International is authentic relationships. If we're to truly disciple others in Christ-likeness, we must engage one another in relationships that are multi-generational. Older women discipling younger women and older men discipling younger men. Let's now turn to this uh, list Paul gives for younger women. The practices given to younger women seem to focus on the home setting. This gives us all a really important reminder that the first place of ministry as believers is with those closest to us. That instruction for is for fathers, for mothers, it's for all of us. The place of service, the fruit of the Spirit, and the place of spiritual leadership begins in the home. We must display Christ in our basic family structure for our witness to be clear to the world. Strong families in Christ make strong churches. It's that simple. Discipleship begins in the home. The first instruction given to younger women is to be lovers of their husbands, Titus chapter 2, verse 4. The Greek verb used for love is philandos. It refers to the special affection of a woman for her lifetime husband, embracing him as her calling from God. Notably, this specific Greek verb is only used in Titus chapter 2, verse 4. This verb, of course, has phileo as its root, one of the Greek words for love. Phileo is a generous and affectionate love that seeks to make the other person happy with no expectation for something in return. What is interesting to me is that most men know that their wives love them. However, they're not completely sure if their wives like them. It seems to me that the instruction here is for young women toward both their husbands and their children is to not only love them, 
but to like them. My wife, Jenny, does this so very well. She's demonstrated love to me in very practical ways by simply wanting to be near me. I remember when I pastored in Houston, Texas, and we ran the outreach basketball program called Upwards at the church. I would always be a coach for one of the boys' teams. Jenny would dress our young daughters at the time in cheerleading outfits on game day. They wouldn't miss a game. While Jenny helped me lovingly care for the families of the kids we encountered through Upwards, her clear reason for doing this was me. She wanted to be near me, serving Jesus together. I felt so loved and respected through her simple action of being near me. A different word for love is used for love their children, but the same meaning is seen here. One can actually translate it to love for children as being fond of their children, which again has the like component to this. A mom who loves her children and genuinely likes being near them is a great gift to the family. Paul gives additional instruction for these young women in Crete found in Titus chapter 2, verse 5. These are Christian characteristics we've already seen encouraged in others, not just young women. Be self-controlled, be pure, and be kind. Two additional encouragements are sometimes seen in a negative light today. These young women are instructed to be busy at home and to be subject to their husbands. I don't have time today to go into the many things scholars have suggested regarding these words of Paul toward young women. Everyone has his or her own thoughts on this subject. Those thoughts are usually developed because of their own personal experiences. What is clear from the totality of Scripture is that women are equal to men, but unique from men. We must always work to show respect and love to one another, giving preference to the other as we follow Jesus together. I will say in short two things about these statements. First, I am thankful for the particular role my wife Jenny has played in creating a place of nurture and peace in our home for our entire family. This intentionality in her life is a modern day example of being busy at home. Second, the Greek word used in Titus chapter 2 verse 5 for being subject to her husband is the same Greek word used in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21, which says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We, men and women, should not shy away from the Christian discipline of submission to one another, no matter what culture tries to put upon us. And we, men and women, should never use scripture to try to get an upper hand of power over another person. The instructions for younger men are similar to what we've already seen in this week's lesson. Be self-controlled, set an example in doing good, show integrity, show seriousness and soundness in speech. As we've studied these instructions for the home, I'm reminded of an old hymn my father used to sing in our home in my childhood years. It's called A Christian Home. It says these words, Oh, give us homes built upon the Savior, where Christ is head and counselor and guide, 
where every child is taught his love and favor and gives his heart to Christ the crucified. How sweet to know that though his footsteps waver, his faithful Lord is walking by his side. Oh, give us homes with godly fathers, mothers, who always place their hope and trust in him, whose tender patience turmoil never bothers, whose calm and courage trouble cannot dim, a home where each finds joy in serving others and love still shines though days be dark and grim. Our next section of scriptures continues with instructions for those found in households in the days of the first century AD. Slaves were common in households of that day. As the house churches grew, many slaves became believers. Today, even the idea of a slave is abhorrent to us, and rightfully so. If we find people in slavery, whether a child labor or sex trafficking, we would want, to, we would want them to escape their slavery, not to remain in it. The best way, maybe the only way, for us to gain instruction for 2023 out of Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, is to consider what this might say to employees in a work environment today. Christian employees should serve their employers in the humbling discipline of voluntary submission, verse 9. They should try to please their boss, not talk back, not steal but live a trustworthy life before them. Once again, the result of such Christian living today is an effective witness so that others might find their hearts open to knowing the living God. As we move into our final section for this week, we find the theology behind the Christian ethics of the previous nine verses. We could easily spend a whole lesson on Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 15, but time does not permit today. Here's the essence of these four verses. God's grace from beginning to end is what draws us to the Father, saves us from our sins, and empowers us to live a holy life that is pleasing to God. If you and I want to live our lives to please God, we cannot do it on our own. Even the desire to live in obedience to Jesus comes from him. So let us walk freely and wholeheartedly in this grace of God, that our homes may be blessed with his presence and that they may be a place of witness to the entire world. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.